0: Moncrief with Ener Glaze on News Talk. Now, most people and most societies would claim that they treasure children, but do they? Since the nineteen seventies, there's been a body of opinion that society actually discriminates against kids, that essentially we are childless. This is the argument made by Sarah Ockwell Smith in her book Because I Said So, why society is childest? and how breaking the cycle of discrimination against children can change the world. It's out now in paperback. Sarah, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Uh, now, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I kind of understand your argument, there's uh, like two components to it, what parents do and what society does.
1: Yeah, so everybody who who was a child, which is basically every single one of us, parents, anybody who works with them, teachers, anyone who comes into contact with children, the thing is we've all experienced poor treatment and discrimination when we were growing up, we might not realize it. It might be something minor like constantly being told because I said so. Maybe we were smacked or slapped as a form of discipline. Maybe it was more subtle than that. But we've all experienced it Mm. and we kind of perpetuate it throughout the cycles. But then you've got the other side of things, which is the political side of things and the fact that governments really don't seem to value children very much. I guess in part because they're not going to vote. Um, so it's sort of placating more the older generations and very often that is at the expense of children. This sort of funding doesn't go towards them. We've got major crises in the education system, in adolescent and child mental health systems. So there's definitely a political side and a societal side. Mm. And then there's more what we do with the children in the home.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, th- but on, say, starting with what parents do, uh, the fact that nowadays... There's one could say to put it cynically, a parenting industry where, where, where parents will go to seek information and, and they'll worry about, uh, um, are they doing it right or wrong? All the, all those, you know, various things. Are they doing it right and wrong? Isn't that evidence that? Parents now don't want to uh, repeat the uh, the mistakes that their own parents made.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that there has actually always been a parent- parenting industry. And in the book, I talk about the childcare books that were sort of 100 and 150 years ago. And that's where the childism really came in. Personally, I know this sounds ironic coming from a parenting author. I think we'd be better if we had no books about it and we just trusted our instincts. But here we are. You know, we we have the historical childcare experts who a hundred and a hundred and fifty years ago told us not to spoil our children, not to mollycoddle them, not to um, kiss and hug them too much, mm. and to force them into being independent. And today's kind of childcare industry really is, in some ways, a response to what was started a century or two ago. Yeah, um, but
0: they wouldn't be w- giving advice like that now, Sarah. The what, sorry? They wouldn't be giving that sort of advice now. Uh. So
1: you say that, you would think that they wouldn't, wouldn't you? But so in in the UK, in our NHS website, they still advise advice regarding baby sleep that actually would still fit very much into the advice given by these experts 100 and 150 years ago. We very much focus on... Trying to force independence on babies before they're ready. We, when we discipline toddlers and preschoolers, that discipline usually falls into two categories, which is punishing, shaming, blaming, or trying to reward them when they act in ways that we would like that perhaps aren't in the best interest of the child. So effectively, we consider good children who are quiet and compliant and obedient and easier for us to manage as adults. But very often that's very much at odds with what the children need, which is emotional support and guidance and to be able to sort of be authentic with us Mm. rather than told, sit there in the corner, be quiet, shut up, because I said so, which is unfortunately still a really, really common parenting method. I know lots of people today think, oh, parenting today is too soft. All this silly gentle parenting, no discipline. You know, that's not true. That just means they don't understand what gentle parenting is. But if you look at the actual research, most parenting methods today are still very strict and harsh and authoritarian. So when people blame the youth of today, that's because parents are too soft. Actually, the parenting that they're criticising is parenting that still involves lots of shaming and blaming and punishing and hurting children to try and make them to behave better. Yeah, it's well, kind but, of nonsensical as an argument. Uh, well, I mean, I,
0: I mean, apart from. Uh, um I think in England, uh, physical chastisement is still illegal. It's illegal. It'd been illegal in this country yeah. since the early 2000s. Uh, 2015
1: in Ireland. So, yeah. yeah, Northern Ireland and England, it's still legal to hit a child in the name of discipline. Obviously, I couldn't hit you. I'd be arrested. Yes. I couldn't hit my husband. I'd be arrested. But I am allowed to hit my children and mm. call it discipline. Yeah, uh, the if, only people that we can legally hit. makes no sense.
0: Uh, but, but apart from that, and it's a fairly common sense argument how that would be wrong because or you're, it, 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 you're just using force, to, you're forcing a will through the use of force. Could you mm-hmm. give us an example of what kind of shaming and what kind of punishment would still be recommended by uh, some uh, parenting experts?
1: So there, there's, there's a growing trend online of when your children misbehave, that you do something, you take a video of them, you take a photo of them, and then you share it online. So I don't know if you've heard of something called the get-along shirt. So there was, it stemmed from a couple of years ago, um, a mum whose children were misbehaving, siblings fighting. So she got them in like an XXL t-shirt, wrote get along shirt on it and made them wear it together. And like, so, so all day these, these kids were sort of stuck in this big t-shirt together. yeah And then took photos of them, shared it online. It was like, this is what happens when kids misbehave. We need more discipline. And it got millions and millions and millions of likes and shares and people saying, great discipline this is what we need today. None of that namby-pamby treatment of kids. Mm-hmm. So much so that it spawned a whole industry. And like if you went onto Etsy or some sort of craft marketplace, people actually produce these shirts that parents can buy as a discipline tool now.
0: Yeah. Though, I mean, that's child abuse. It strikes me. But I mean, mm-hmm. that the woman didn't have any qualifications in this regard. And, and, and you'd wonder do most average parents, would they ascribe to treating their children that way? The problem
1: is, is that this is how a lot of us were treated as children ourselves. So when we have our own children, as much as we would like to think we're going to go into it and with our eyes open and trust our instincts and do what's best, what tends to happen is we just subconsciously perpetuate how we were raised. So um, I wasn't really hit as a child. My um, mum particularly yelled quite a lot. She loved me very deeply. I loved her very deeply. But what I've inherited is that when I have four children, they're teenagers and young adults now, when they misbehaved, inside me I would feel this sort of rising red mist and anger, Mm. and my default setting is to scream, because that's how I was raised. I was just copying what was done to me. So I think however good our intentions are, we are carrying decades of baggage with us, and that tends to just come out. And I think it's so hard talking about this – it's a really unpopular subject to get an awful lot of backlash because people don't like to think that, one, they were perhaps not treated very well as children. That hurts. It's not about blaming or shaming your parents because actually they in turn are on the receiving end of this type of treatment. And then in turn, their grandparents were. But the most difficult thing about this conversation is as parents, we don't want to think that we have knowingly or unknowingly done something that might hurt or upset our children. And there's so much cognitive dissonance and so much guilt that instead of having these conversations, we just go, oh, childism, what rubbish, that doesn't exist. Yeah. And we push it aside or we attack the messenger, and just something called an ad hominem attack. Whereas yeah. I think what we need to do is to think, is everything I do and say really conscious, really mindful, does it really help my child? Yes. That's really, at the end of that, that's all I'm asking. Just, yeah, yeah. We need and to treat them with
0: respect. If we want them to respect
1: us, it's not rocket science.
0: Mm. Yeah. No, but I just still want, like on on this show, like we've had, and this show has been on the air for over 19 years and we've had a parenting slot for those 19 years, different people, they're all child psychologists who have done it. No one's ever recommended the cry it out method. No one's ever recommended um, uh, the naughty step. Most of them were were dead against homework, actually, and repeatedly it was, yeah, sometimes you have to just leave the room because your reaction in the moment, that heat in the moment reaction you described there is going to be wrong. So, like, and, you know, the... the... Very
1: often, <laughs> they're very often given different methods. So I know in Ireland you call the naughty step the bold step. Yes, and yeah. Instead of cry out, maybe you might call it controlled crying or space soothing or something like that. So yeah. we use words that make it more palatable. It feels better to us to say I'm spaced soothing my baby rather than needing them to quiet <laughs> out. The other thing is you might just have some really brilliant experts on your show. <laughs>
0: yes. Well, they're proper experts rather than just randomers on, on, on TikTok. Uh, yeah. Because uh, yeah, I don't know, are they representative of the average person trying to do their best, trying to be better parents than their parents were?
1: So my my background is in child psychology, as are the people that come onto your show. And if you you ask any of them, you know, what does the research tell us about raising children? There are three main styles of parenting, whatever you call it. Authoritarian, which is like harsh Victorian parenting. Permissive parenting, which is where kids will call over the adults and you have no boundaries and no rules. And then in the middle, you have this sweet spot of authoritative parenting, which um, I talk about something called gentle parenting, but it's just authoritative authoritative parenting is based on having boundaries having rules having discipline but discipline that doesn't hurt children yes. discipline that teaches and guides them so we say no we stop them doing dangerous things but ultimately it comes down to connection we have with the children we love them dearly we support them we guide them we teach them we have to be a great role model for them so it, it doesn't really matter how many people talk about parenting to be honest it's just this rehashed, but. We have to move currently in our society. We think we're authoritative because that's the advice the psychologists give. But what we know from research is that most parents in Western society still feel ve- fall very much into the authoritarian, the harsh, the Victorian pattern of parenting. As much as we'd like to think we're authoritative, because yeah. again, we're just repeating what was done to us. And particularly if you look into school discipline, that focus is very much on um sanctions punishments detentions exclusions isolations yes that's authoritarian we know it's not good for children Mm. but the society we've got and the lack of funding in our education systems particularly where i am in england means that teachers are stuck they have to use these methods because they're not really teaching anymore they're crowd controlling and it's really difficult we know it's not the best for children but we get stuck in these cycles And with the world around us and society as it is and the cost of living crisis and everything we have to deal with, you know, global pandemics and climate crisis and everything else that gets thrown at us to worry about, it makes it really hard to take a breath and go, okay, I'd like to do better. Maybe I'm not doing my best. So again, we have this defence mechanism that we, don't be silly. You know, I'm fine. What are these experts talking about? You know, they're always telling us to do something different. and. Again, ultimately, if you trust your heart and really love your child and do what your instincts tell you to do, your instincts never tell you to hit your child, shame your child, take a, p- a video of them crying and post it on TikTok for millions of people to like and comment on. Yeah, but we've kind of we've got stuck in this bit of a rut of defensiveness and doing what we've always done and believing it's right. And basically, my book is just saying maybe it's not.
0: Yeah. Now, and and. and y- y- you know, quite. Uh, you have some choice words for the kind of childcare system, and that it's just a place to dump children while people go to work. And and but it, I don't
1: think that. No, no, no. <laughs> well, now, I'm paraphrasing
0: I a bit. But I'm not. I'm not blaming the parents for that. But but that, that's what I say. Yeah, but that that's rotters. what I say that the governments say. Yeah. So uh, governments want to fund childcare more because
1: they want people back to work, hmm. and they, they call stay-at-home mothers economically inactive. Yeah. So the idea is let's create these childcare factories and get as many parents back to work as possible. But these childcare factories with their underfunding are maybe not what is best for children. But yeah. it's not, you know, not about childcare full stop or childcare staff. There's some of the most brilliant, amazingly nurturing people who are chronically underpaid. It's yes. the way that our governments view them.
0: Yeah. No, and and, and that, that rush you described is kind of a very complex rush because Certainly in this country, and, I, and I'm assuming it's pretty similar in the UK, it's th- th- having one parent being able to afford to go out to work and funding the household. Th- those days are gone. You know, if there are two parents, it's they both. Impossible. It's just impossible.
1: Yeah.
0: So you just have oh. to go to childcare. One of the salaries pays for the childcare. And then you know, people are getting home. They're tired. They're, you know, and, and no one's. Uh, no and one's if you're operating
1: a single and you probably can't even afford to pay for the childcare and then eat a meal at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's, it comes back to everything is a societal, it's a political problem. I'm not a very political person, but I've been talking about parenting for two decades. I've written 14 books and I've come to realise that actually I can give people as many parenting tips as I can. And the underlying politics and the governments are going to always scupper their
0: efforts. Yeah, yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today. Uh, that was uh, Sarah Ockwell-Smith their author of Because I Said So, My Society is Childist and How Breaking the Cycle of Discrimination Towards Children Can Change the World. Uh, I'll actually read out, uh, before we go to the break, I'll, uh, I'll read out a few uh, comments on that. Uh, one text that says, There was nothing more terrifying than my mother with a wooden spoon. I can still feel the sting. However, I'm not traumatised by it. And I have not disciplined my kids that way. Don't your authors think we have our own intelligence to change behaviours? Yeah, well, I suppose these kind of books have to speak in in, in general terms. Uh, um, you know, we're talking about large bodies of people and, and they're tracking those kind of events rather than individuals. But of course, and, you know, I think I made that point to her several times that... Uh, Parents would want to uh, would think, well, I'm not going to do it the way you know certain aspects of the way my parents did it to me. Uh, we should all watch how gorillas and other animals are with their young. No books required, and they enjoy each other. Uh, Colin wonders, yeah, but how far back do you go to attribute blame? Well, I think I don't want to put uh, uh, words in uh, uh, Sarah's mouth, but I don't think attributing blame is probably a useful thing to do. It's probably more about what's effective in terms of producing a happy, a happy, healthy, secure child. Uh, my friend's father, who was a farmer, if two rams or sheep were fighting, etc., used to tie them together for a couple of days uh, and then they'd be best buddies after. So maybe the get-along T-shirt would work for kids. Uh, not unless you, uh, uh, you're you a proponent of, of uh, bringing children in, into a pen and shaving them every few months. Uh, Brendan says it's child abuse to punish a child all day and into the next day. But what's wrong with a quick slap on the bum? And that's the end of it for everyone because it's not the end of it for everyone because you've just hit them. All they remember about that is the violence. They haven't said, oh, violence, because I should have, you know, I, I, uh, I should have eaten me, me broccoli. They just remember the violence. Uh, the punishing T-shirt for kids is just a modern version of the dunce hat, uh, says a text or Someone else says, I was beaten badly every day by a sibling. My mother never protected me or stopped them. I I would run to her every time it happened. She would put on a stern face and say, I have my own problems and not talk to me for three or four days because I had the nerve to complain about it, uh, about him or it. I'm 55 years old and it still hurts me deeply. My mum is great in every other way and always was. Crikey, there's a lot of pain there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Energlaze on News Talk.